Welcome to Intelligence Talks from the research team at Knight Frank. Intelligence Talks brings you the latest insights on property market trends and forecasts, along with expert analysis from industry leaders. I'm Anna Ward, Senior Residential Analyst at Knight Frank. Today we'll be doing something a little different and introducing our webinar concept on this podcast. Commercial Conversations, hosted by Will Matthews, Head of UK Commercial Research, is an essential weekly digest of the biggest trends in commercial real estate. So this week, we'll be sharing with you the highlights of a private capital-focused webinar recorded on the 25th of June. Will will be talking to Alex James, Head of Private Client Advisory and Wealth Report Editor Andrew Shirley about how private investors are an increasing force in commercial property markets around the world. I'm going to hand over to Will now so you can listen to him chat with Alex and Andrew about this trend. Andrew, if we start with you, for those of us who don't know about the Wealth Report, can you just explain a bit about what it is, why it's of interest, and really, I suppose, what it tells us about the attitudes of private investors towards different types of investments in general? Yeah, sure. Well, um, we started the Wealth Report in 2007, ironically, just before another big financial crisis. So we've tracked a couple of those. And the reason we do the Wealth Report is really about partnerships and engaging with our clients because obviously they're not buying and selling property all the time. And those aren't the only things that they're interested in. So it's just a little bit of thought leadership. We're tapping into what their aspirations are, what their investment aims are, and the kinds of things that they like to do and what drives their personal and their business lives. And as part of that report, we include what we call our attitude survey, which is a survey of private bankers and wealth advisors around the world. And that gives us a really interesting window into what our ultra high net worth clients are doing and it shows that they're really interested in things like wellness that was the theme of this year's report and also that they're really interested in property as an investment i mean a lot of people refer to property as an alternative investment but when you look at the fact that according to our survey 27 percent of ultra high net worth investors investment portfolios are made up of property i'd say it's far far from alternative or niche well Sure. And actually, just to pick up on, on one of the points you mentioned there, I mean, just as a point of clarity, we talk a lot about ultra high net worth individuals in, in the Wealth Report. Can you just explain a, a bit about what we mean about that definition? Yeah, for the Wealth Report, we would say an ultra high net worth individual is someone who's got 30 US million dollars or more of net assets, excluding their primary residence. So that's 30 US million dollars available to invest or to spend or already invested in their investment portfolios. So these are people who absolutely do have the firepower to invest in commercial real estate? Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. I mean, you've already said that private uh, wealth is attracted to commercial real estate, but how's that changing? And, and what is the, the survey, the data bank at the back of the report telling us about intentions for investment in commercial property over the year ahead? Well, as I said, about 27% of a ultra high net worth total investment portfolio is in property. So it's already a pretty high proportion. But when we look at how they plan to change their, the allocations of their portfolios over the next year, we're looking about 70% or so are going to increase or maintain property at the current levels in their portfolio. So there's quite a lot of action going on. It's quite interesting when we also ask whether they're going to invest overseas or within their home markets. And the answer to that really depends where they are in the world. If you're in Europe or North America, for example, you tend to be investing more often in your home markets. We clearly see as if you're in Africa, for example, or Asia, there's a higher propensity, and certainly South America, there's certainly a higher propensity to invest in markets outside of your home country. That's really interesting. We'll come back to that in, in a second, Alex, as well. So, I mean, Andrew's outlined a really clear intention for private investors to spend more money on commercial real estate. But, I mean, how is that actually sort of playing out on the ground? How do you see 
appetite in reality, and particularly in, in light of some of the volatility that we're seeing at the moment? It's been a really interesting few months and that's played out as we all are aware the impact of coronavirus is still playing out at the moment we've seen a significant reduction in the commercial real estate transaction volumes over the last quarter what is sort of the positives that we are seeing across the market at the moment germany has been leading the way across europe we've started to see a pickup in activity there we've been working and pitching on various different assets across germany and there's a large meeting office that's just been launched this week and a Berlin industrial estate. A few transactions to know across Europe recently. So Decker bought a Generation Park Z in Warsaw for about 100 million, reflecting four and three quarters percent. And GLL, Bishop's Square in Dublin for 183 million, which is just four percent. So a bit of activity in Europe. If bringing it back to sort of the UK, since Boris Johnson started to ease some of the lockdown restrictions, we're definitely seeing a spike of activity across our residential platforms, which is really encouraging to see. You know, we've seen a number of key transactions that have taken place, which provides investors with these important key data points right now. And and some of those I'll go through now. So stuff like 90 by following me close in London, which is bought up by La Francais, which is a newly refurbished office in central London, about 48 and a half million, and that was sub 4%, so real strong record-breaking yields being paid. Alden House, actually, that's one that I went around just before lockdown. It was a, an asset that needed a, a bit of refurbishment, repositioning play. It was bought by Dark River, and that was about 40 million. And just going on to sort of industrial industrial has been performing very strong through this period. And one of the major assets that recently transacted, a fantastic trophy asset, was Perivale Park, which was about 200 million which was done by Seagrove. Tops Tiles headquarters at Knight Frank were involved with on behalf of Aries, which was 18.1 million. That was a sale and leaseback. I think we're going to start seeing more of these sale and leasebacks come through over the next 6, 12 months as firms look to raise capital through their real estate. And just going on to touch on retail as well, we've just put under offer a large Broadwalk shopping centre in Edgware, which was a sort of regeneration repositioning play and they'll achieve above asking on that. And just this week as well, I just... I think there's some great signs in terms of some of the new sales that are coming through. We've launched two unique sales this week, a sort of 55-year government-let office in Stafford yesterday. That was sort of 19.6 million, 3.5%. And then a Porsche car dealership chips, and that was a ground rent, a 99-year ground rent. So encouraging to see sort of activity start to come through in the market. Yeah, that, that's really encouraging, Alec. The last couple of opportunities you mentioned there, are those the things that are particularly appealing to private investors with perhaps quite a long time horizon? Yeah, I, I, so I think there's a real focus on security of income at the moment and income that tenants are paying their rents. And I think that will be a, a focus in the coming years ahead of a real sort of microscope on the tenants and security of that income stream for the future. Sure. And now maybe thinking sort of a bit further afield. Now, clearly a lot of private capital, when we look at some of Andrew's research, it does get invested in domestic markets first and foremost. But as Andrew mentioned, there is also a propensity to invest some of that capital abroad. Now, are you seeing a sort of increase in demand for overseas asset purchases at the moment, or is it sort of still more domestic at the moment? I think Andrew touched on it, depending on, on where these investors are based. But private investors will be focused on diversifying their portfolio, which is the sort of key driver for that sort of real estate investment. And typically, they're looking at major urban real estate 
cities, so US, UK, Europe, Asia, whatever that may be, and they're looking for that sort of security of income and wealth preservation. Where, where does that come? And that's normally in the sort of high quality buildings and good locations that will stand the test of time. This week I had a great call with a, a client of mine and you know, it just shows their perspective on, on how they're looking to invest. They said to me, if they were to buy this building, they do not want to be selling this in his lifetime. And if they do, then they've done their job incorrectly. And that just shows you the type of investment thesis that, that some of these investors are looking at. The location of where that demand will end up is really important to consider. And Andrew touched on it earlier, and it, it goes back to the sort of psychology of those investors. What is their main language that they speak, location of their businesses, global businesses, education, where were they educated to go to university in the UK or US, where do they like to holiday? That normally drives some of the investment decisions. Just looking at sort of the UK at the moment, why are investors looking here? And I think there will be some overseas investors still looking, and we're already seeing it from the conversation that I'm having. The currency is still seen as a big player at the moment. I think we're about one, two, four dollars to pounds. And there's a sort of key points just to sort of touch on there. What, why the UK? Well, it's transparency. You know, the transactional data that we are aware of that I mentioned just now, these sort of longer occupational leases and sort of UK law, the society of law. The travel restrictions, I think, have and will prevent a number of different investors from looking at the UK until, until those REs slightly. And I think that will actually create a bit of a pent-up demand for overseas private transactions in the UK. And we'll start seeing that come through as travel restrictions get released. So, so in theory, we, we could be looking at a bit of a pickup in activity towards the second half of this year, perhaps. Yeah, depending on how those restrictions come through, I think obviously the 14-day quarantine easing will have an impact on investors. But if they are wanting to invest, they will probably go through that process just to get some income stream into the UK. But it will restrict, you know, it's bound to restrict the level and the amount of volume that will come through. But it will create this pent-up demand, I feel, moving forward. The currency piece is quite interesting, and, and really, I suppose it's anyone's guess as to where, where currency goes generally. But I mean, there is this debate about clearly our relationship with the EU at the moment and whether a relatively swift agreement on trade would actually lift sterling by a little bit. How much of an impact do you think that's likely to have on demand, if any? I think it's the sort of investment sentiment, really, that we have to go back to there. There's a lot of noise across real estate markets, across the macro economies at the moment, and sort of any positive signs on Brexit in terms of a certainty, I think will lift that international demand. There's been a, a number of different areas of commercial market, residential market, which have been quite choppy and volatile over the last few years. But once we get a bit more certainty post-corona, post-Brexit, I do think there's going to be a pickup in that sort of international demand for UK sterling real estate. Sure. OK, well, look, that's a good point in which to, to start looking a bit further ahead, actually. And so, I mean, Andrew, if we just sort of come back to you for a moment, if, we, if we're sort of thinking about slightly the, the slightly longer term, I mean, is it fair to say that private investors generally are becoming a little bit more philanthropic in, in their approach? And does that sort of give you any sort of sense of an impact on, on real estate? Yeah, we ask in our attitude survey what proportion of the respondents' clients are planning to increase their philanthropic activities, and it's always positive. Last year, I think about 70% said that their clients were going to be increasing their donations and that kind of thing. And there's an increasing focus on conservation and climate change, wellness in general. I mean, in terms of 
real estate, I suppose you might start looking at wilderness as an asset class. Rewilding is a really big thing at the moment. Very wealthy individuals buying huge tracts of land across the world and allowing it to revert back to what it used to be. Obviously, the coronavirus lockdown is impacting on that because a lot of these projects depend on people coming to visit them and tourism, and you can't obviously fly to Africa at the moment. So that's really hitting their conservation activities. So, I mean, yes, so it will have an impact on certain real estate sectors. But in general, you know, our attitude survey tells us that clients are becoming more interested in ESG, a lot more, about 50% looking at impact of the buildings they invest in on in the environment and pollution and that kind of thing in general. So it seems the environment, climate change, ESG is increasingly driving the decisions that our clients are going to make. And I'm sure that will only increase in the future, Will. Sure. And Alex, I mean, are you, are you seeing that from your private client base? Are they more interested in ESG issues these days? Yeah, I think it covers such a broad range, ESG, the actual buildings themselves. We see that with how we're reviewing the sort of sustainability of those portfolios, of people's portfolios. And it can come simple down to clients' estates. We've seen a number of very strong energy team who are working with clients to put in solar panels across their estates to help power the local villages the sort of social infrastructure investing that's coming through. Um, we were involved in a, a very large housing PRS investment last year. Healthcare is such a prominent element at the moment. And, and governance, I think, really for family offices is is such an important factor. And from the various different real estate transactions I've been involved with, how those family offices run and who the decision makers becomes really important for the future of those families and the sort of wealth preservation strategies. And, and I think so. it is a real prominent area that a number of investors look at. In, in many ways, the, these family offices are, are very progressive organisations. How do you see their scale and sophistication growing over, over the coming years? Yeah, definitely. So we need to sort of look deeper behind these long-term trends. You know, why is there an increase in demand for commercial real estate? It's normally these sophisticated institutional investors that invest in commercial real estate, but we've seen a, a massive increase in private investor space. You know, Knight Frank last year, we 30% of our transactions in the UK were involved private wealth, so ultra high net worths or high net worths. The key thing that I've witnessed is this sort of institutionalization of family offices and ultra high net worth investors. Some of the major transactions that have happened globally have been by private investors over a billion pound dollar plus properties across London, Chicago, Hong Kong in the last few years. And these are sort of iconic towers across the globe. You know, these investors need to build a diverse real estate portfolio and structure them correctly. But it's not just the sort of large end of the spectrum. You know, I work with clients who are looking to secure some commercial sterling income streams to pay for their for the houses, their service charges across London that they have as holiday homes in, in the future. So it's thinking differently about how they structure their, their real estate portfolio to service the family. And that again, looking back at that sort of longer term secure income wealth preservation. If you enjoyed this episode of Intelligence Talks, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please also make sure to share this episode on social media and check out the show notes for more information. Mm -hmm.